The Sports Walk is back. Watch season three of Backpack Broadcasting's original web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans. The first two seasons and current season are available now for viewing on the Sports Walk YouTube channel and Facebook page. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy. Just take the Sports Walk. From the Gotham Podcast Studio, episode 97 of the Ain't Hard to Tell Podcast. Ooh, getting up there. Yeah, you're just excited as the numbers are. <laughs> Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca. Yeah. And our man from the Seven Footers Podcast. You can also see his work on Black Sports Online, BT.com. Our man, Gerard Hector. Gerard, what's up, man? What's good, y'all? What's up? Chilling, man. Yeah, I, long I... time no see. <laughs> A whole a whole four days or whatever. Say, I feel like I see you dudes all the time now. You'll see a, us a, again in a couple of days. That's <laughs> true. Which is a wonderful thing. I, I enjoy the continued collaboration. We are yeah. like, I feel like I'm like a Hall of Fame level guest right now. I think I'm, am I the most? Yeah, you're the most. You're the person loving the most that by far. Probably, loving that. No, yeah. it's easily. It's I, not, it's yeah, not yeah. No, this is your fifth this time your, probably here? This is your third solo. Yeah. Yeah, fifth time. Yeah, look at that Hall of Fame right there, baby. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have the most solo <laughs> yeah. appearances. We'll too. name the Hall of Fame after. There you, you go. Yeah. Be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. Now, no, no. Where, where is this Hall of Fame going to be? Uh, <laughs> I don't got space in it's my a, room. It, it's a virtual. It, it, it's a virtual <laughs> Hall of Fame in our minds. Yeah, that, yeah. that's where it is. It's I a virtual guess. Hall of Fame. Yeah. So let, let's explain to everybody because Gerard's been on here a couple times. Uh, more than but, a couple. More than a couple times since we established. Yeah. But the reason we have him on here today. And we also will be including some special guests into this podcast. Mm. Gerard just did an article uh, for BET.com. With say his, with, don't say for. I yes. don't say for. That's with. just me. That's right. That's that's a, that's, it's an empowerment thing. I don't he, say that I work for. I like people. that. I got to start. No, I got to start using I like that. that. I yeah, like I, that. St- I, st- I st- cut that off probably two years ago. You know, I, like, I don't say I work for whatever, whatever. Every once in a while, the young brother's got something good to do. He's got some good <laughs> yeah. stuff. Sometimes he be saying some bullshit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes he really be wilding. But like, what <laughs> is true. Especially, no. especially if I'm freelancing at a place, I'm not going to say I work for whatever, whatever. Get out of here. This is a partnership and you're going to have to deal with it in that respect. I actually respect the verbiage on that yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. do i do like that okay Light language is important so let's yeah. start that again <laughs> gerard hector did an article with bet.com yes. or you can say on bet.com <laughs> i like with no, i like with yeah. it strong strong strong, yeah, strong partnership yeah strong partnership it and so it's with bomani jones and pablo tori the uh, host of high noon mm-hmm. uh on espn uh it's about race and representation now when uh gerard did this article the three of us mm-hmm. all had the opportunity to go up to the ESPN studios and watch a taping of yep. High Noon, which was absolutely dope. We all yeah. loved the show. Yeah. And then we also had uh, 30 minutes yep. or so to sit and chop it up with Bomani uh, Jones and Pablo Torre. And we hit on a bunch of stuff that is also in the article that Gerard uh, you know, wrote with BET.com, where we talked about race and representation mm-hmm. and working in sports media. And before we get into that, throughout this episode, we will be playing some stuff that you can hear yep. from that interview, uh, questions that we asked him. So we're going to go into that and then have our reactions to that. So we'll be doing this a little bit different in this episode, but this is why we have Gerard up here, so we can all talk a little bit about this. But how I want to kick this off, guys, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the three of us, the people watching, or if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> uh, we're all minorities working in sports journalism. We have yeah. uh, done this for us quite some time. Yep. We've done this. What is really, and this is kind of a broad question yeah. for all of us, and all of us can answer this. What has been your experience, challenges, things you felt working as a minority in the field of sports journalism? Brian, you're smiling. <laughs> like, I'm like, smiling like, because Jarasha like answered this question first. <laughs> Why? You just had a very, you, you just had a very, we, we just gave Hello. you credit, young you, brother. You, you, you had that, like, sinister, like, you're about to go in on somebody right now, look. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, there's nobody to go. Who's gonna get it? There's nobody. To, there's nobody to go on. There's nobody to go in on. Um, it, it's it's just different, man. It's just very different in ways that people not of this sort of space won't really understand. You know what I mean? Like it's just, especially especially when you're unconventional to begin with, right? So, for example, I like to dress a certain way. Not to say that in a negative way. I just, you know, don't like to really dress up for certain things. I mean, and doing not, that as not a put on a blazer, right? Not yeah. put on any kind of button-down shirt or doing uh, that. Doing for, that. For note, I don't mean to cut you off. When we did this interview with Pablo <laughs> and Bobani, yo, we uh, Gerard put on a blazer. I had on a little blazer and jeans. We were not dressed up. No, we were casual. Just, that's my normal. We tried to get Brian to become part of the. We tried to be like the mini trailblazer crew, right. and Brian was like, he was he wasn't nope. having it. He threw on a sweater. He, he, was, he, he was professionally dressed. He, I want to he say had that. Polo yeah, sweater. I had polo he's, sweater. He's, he's my boy, so I'm joking with him. Yeah, <laughs> not polo that. sweater. The collar was out. You know Brian what I'm saying? Was, Brian was comfortable matching purple Air Force Ones. He did. He was nice true. silver jeans, slim yeah. fit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't really care for the jeans. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. I had no problem. No, I'm not, like Brian was comfortable in what he yes, do, and he yes. was But that's the thing. I don't. I'm joking I don't, with him. I don't dress like a slob, nah, but nah. you know, I'm no. casual slash. I like to wear printed T-shirts that may or may not be provocative. We are trying to, to get him to wear a little bit more blazers. Yeah. Every now and then. What? Uh, all right. I anyway, mean, that's, I mean, you saw that though. Bo did compliment my blazer. You saw that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did compliment that sweater, I'm probably though. more of the Pablo Torre, you know, school of, of you know what I'm saying? Just throw on the jacket. That's fine. You cool. got to be who you want to be. You know what I'm saying? But it's clean. But basically yes. what I'm saying, that it's a little bit different in a lot of spaces when you're doing that as a Latino as opposed to when you're doing that when you're somebody else. Well, let me, let me, let me stop there for you, right? Because you're a Latino guy, Puerto Rican brother, here in New York City who does a lot of stuff in sports journalism. But let's keep it real. When you step out into this clubhouse, this locker room, uh, you don't see a lot of people that look like Brian. You don't see a lot of people that look like us, but you really don't see a lot of people that look like Brian. There's more of y'all than there are of that, us. That is absolutely and, and, and there ain't that many of us. But yeah, yeah. Right. But there's more of y'all than there yeah. are of us because a lot of us, you know, oh, could you speak Spanish? Oh, we'll put you on Telemundo. <laughs> we'll put you on Telemundo. We'll put you on, you know, Univision, all these things. So, By the way, I do enjoy how you just did that right there. Are <laughs> you, you let your Latin come out, right? No, no, but I'm saying I actually, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm not trying to clown you. I, I really appreciate that. Does, Yo does, hablo espanol. Does, <laughs> does, does that, to follow up on that, does that bother, does that bother you? Uh, what what specifically? The lack of the representation. Oh, As, yeah. Especially be, well, be, mm-hmm. well, because of when I try to explain to people, like, because, you know, uh, just generally speaking, again, They'll put us on Spanish channels if we know any Spanish. Otherwise, there's not a lot of us in these kind of positions. Like Marley Rivera, who we love, mm-hmm. just you know started getting more you know opportunities of on TV conversing with people in English. But she does a great job of doing it. Of course, and I feel like there's there needs to be more of that. Like what what you know where are those sort of opportunities for certain people? I you know what I'm saying? Uh, and why 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 is it that we have to be the ones to create these things ourselves? Make side hustle, make the ain't hard to tell podcast and do all these other things. When a lot of people, yeah, yeah. yeah, and a lot of people can go through the conventional way of just, 
you go to college, you get a job right after because you know this person and you went to Northwestern or Fordham or Syracuse or one of these other schools that have these programs. You get an internship right away. Like a lot of us don't have that sort of conventional upbringing, even though we do come from New York City, which in itself is a highly competitive market. Agreed. Uh, Gerard, what about you? Your experience, because you got into this uh, later, yeah. as a as a black man, and what what have you seen in the industry? Well, it's far? interesting for me, right? So the perspective, and we always joke around on here because we're older than Brian, right? So there's certainly more life experiences that we have. Being one of the only in a room or an office environment isn't new to me, right? Like right, in same. all of my careers prior to. It's been the same thing. That's right? important to note, though. Public relations, also, yeah, whatever you know, yeah, whatever exactly. I've done before. You yeah. know, working for startups. This is your third, career? right? De- yeah. Business development. Like it's always been the same. So Side I'm also episode. Three. I am very <laughs> check that out. By the way, it was a good one. Uh, starring myself and Gary. Yes. Gary the dog. <laughs> Gary, Gary, Gary the dog. dog. So that part isn't new, right? What I find interesting about it, though, is that what we are doing and the subject matter that we cover tend to be dominated by people that are not white. Yet the people that mm. talk about it and that are the authors of the history of it are. And that to me is a very sort of interesting juxtaposition, right? Like the people who the people who control everything write the history, right? I mean, and we can look back to forget about sports, the history of the world, right? Yeah. The history of the world primarily have been written written by white men. Well, that's why the history books look the way that they do. Yeah. But anybody who's been to – I mean, I was going to say college, but forget it. you got Google now. Anyone who's read any books or done any kind of cursory research will realize, oh, there's a whole lot more going on out here than what I was being told for all these years. So that to me is interesting, right? The fact that we are the minorities in, 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 an, in an industry where the people that we are covering – are the are the primary actors that, that we're covering. That part is interesting. That's why it's important to have black reporters in locker rooms talk to black athletes, or in the case of, again, Marley Rivera, go into a locker room and be able to speak to somebody in Spanish. And you know what happens sometimes when she's done that because she said this publicly, is that other reporters get mad oh, yeah. because they don't yeah. understand what seen they're it. being said. And I've seen it. We talked, to her, we, said. Yeah. we talked to her about that. Now, Gerard brought up that, that point about, what, you know, is it important for – you know, to have people who look like us when we're covering sports where there is a large, like baseball, a large Latino population, or in basketball or football where there's large African-American black uh, people across the diaspora. Boxing, too. Boxing, Boxing is extremely diverse. Right. Yes. To, to see that. But we don't see that. We, when we all sat down, Gerard actually asked this question to Bomani and Pablo, and this is what they had to say. Let's take a listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Like, one thing with this industry is probably that there are plenty of black men in particular who work in this industry oh yeah overwhelmingly they were former players and so basically what you wind up with is an idea that you have those guys come on because they provide a perspective that is very very particular but we can just find some white dude to go talk about this other stuff right like that's what seems to be conveyed you know in that message and doing that um but it is necessary just generally to have a broad range of insights on these matters because all of us in our personal experiences will give us insights that allow us to see things differently than perhaps the next person can. So there are going to be a lot of topics where in part because of my background, I'll have insight on. But another reason why I've got the insight on those things because I put in a lot of work to know and understand what those things are, right? So it is not simply to me about the value of having somebody that looks like me or has the experiences there it's having the insight that is particular to the experiences of those people it just so happens that you're more likely to have that if you're a member of that group because in all likelihood that is what has moved you to pay more attention 
to the matters that are there. But no, it becomes important to have black people in these spaces. Otherwise, what we don't want is what the history of sports talk radio has basically been, which is white dudes complaining about black dudes on the radio. Right. Like that, you know, you listen to who the hosts are and then it trickles down and then you listen to who the callers are. And it just becomes the circular thing of the same set of people often hammering this other group of people. And then that brings out the worst very often in the people that are doing it. So, no, it's very important to have people who have more in common with the athletes there, because otherwise this could turn into something that we don't want it to be. And it's also, by the way, crucial to have like credibility in the world of sports. I mean, like Bomani has a long resume um, that goes beyond sports, but he also like knows sports history as much as any human being that I've ever met. He was a columnist at page two in the era of like, you know, the David Halberd stamps, Ralph Wiley's and all of that. I come from Sports Illustrated where I learned magazines and was a reporter. So for us, I think it's as much about having the credibility on the resume and then synthesizing that through the particular perspectives that we have. And that's why you land on a show that actually is doing stuff that may feel kind of new and different. And that show he's talking about is obviously High Noon, mm-hmm. the show they do together, uh, 4 p.m. You can catch that on ESPN. Uh, most I forgot days. how good that answer was. was yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things I remember when we were sitting in that room when we were talking to them, Omani's point about radio, sports talk mm-hmm. radio, was huge. I thought it was fantastic because it's part of the reason why I no longer listen to sports talk radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of that reason is I felt a lot of that. And a lot of that came around, especially uh, when Colin Kaepernick decided mm-hmm. uh, his protest against police injustice and uh, police brutality and social injustice. Excuse me. Um, I saw a lot of that from the same people were calling in. And, you know, I looked at the station that I was listening to and I realized, like, hey, why has there never been in all my years of listeners, we have never seen a minority host in prime time. I know exactly what station that is. We don't got to right. call them no, out. No, I'm not. We, yeah, yeah. You know how I am about some people don't need the attention. No. We know oh, yeah. exactly, we know what, exactly that what it is. is. Yeah. But when I, I used to listen to the station and it's like, yo, it's the same voices, the same messages. Um, and this is one thing I love about podcasting is I'm able to now get these diverse messages from different mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. doing different stuff in the different ways we can bring it out and interacting with different people that might get to the forefront. Um, because I can tell you what, that station we're listening to, uh, they're probably not going to play clips and audio like that or ask people about some of the things that we're talking to. But not. y'all listen to this, y'all know what to come to. <laughs> <laughs> y'all know what to come to. What did y'all make of that, especially in terms of the, the sports radio and, and people – you know, talking about talking down about certain athletes or just having the platforms, like I said, where minorities can actually speak on certain things that you might not hear in that medium. I mean, it goes to what Gerard was saying before. The history of sports or really the everything <laughs> has been documented by white people. And this goes to what Bomani Jones was saying in the response to that is that a lot of sports history or a lot of what's even going on now when there's Cam Newton criticism, where there, this morning I heard somebody call, I forget who it was, but it was a reporter on a network that I'm not going to mention, but um, called Stefan Diggs a locker room problem, mm. which was very interesting because that's the only place that I've heard that being you know, a thing. Did that same person call Adam Thielen? Thielen. I a was locker just room the same thing, right? Because well, I, well, yeah. But if Adam Thielen was black, he'd be a diva wide receiver at this point, right? You know what not. I mean? He but. called out for those that don't know. Adam Thielen called out basically Kirk Cousins uh, for his horrible play recently with the Minnesota Vikings, and Adam Thielen made the comment about how he needs to distribute the ball more. That's played differently, basically because he's got the different skin tone to be able to say that. That. Uh, but that that, that right there is why diversity matters and this is why i don't like when people say oh just hire the best people and don't worry about it because that's sending a mixed message right you you, that's not that's not likely look what i think is interesting yeah 
the the real the basis of all this and we have to look at everything is how how many systems and entities and enterprises within the world but let's talk about america are not racist just by their inherent nature <laughs> right like not yeah, many, yeah. Man. like yeah. because that is the fabric by which this country was established on i don't care that slavery was abolished 300 years ago or whatever it was 1776 that doesn't matter like some people still miss it <laughs> lots of people still miss it yeah you are you still see the ramifications of that in everything that we do now right i yeah. mean this is not a sports thing but i'm sure you guys have seen the wonderful 1619 project that um mm -hmm. the new york times did really where it talks about and you can just draw direct parallels to today to everything to healthcare, to all these various things that are impacted based on the way in which certain groups of people have been othered and marginalized in this country yeah. in particular black folks Right. And so what you have is a situation where the humanity of these athletes are taking or taken away from them. Right. It's the same thing that's been done historically throughout time. Why is it a problem that and you could look at it with the athlete empowerment movement, and all the different things. Why is it such a problem for for white people in many instances, white fans in many instances to have such an issue with. A black player deciding, I want to do X, I want to do Y, I want to do Z, and then tell you about, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, right? It's it's interesting because, as you know, and I don't know if we're going to get to this, but this is one of the areas that the mainstream is comfortable seeing black people in, right? It's, yep. okay, we will allow you to be excellent on the field of play, largely because you're entertaining us, but okay, right? So. Mm -hmm. Football, basketball, that what all those kind of playing fields and entertainment fields. Yes, sing and dance, chuck and jive for us. Cool, Yo. we're good with that. Yo, you know what's it. You but know within what? that, I now want to limit and control what you can do within that field. Yep. I think about this anytime I'm watching a sporting event, usually coincidentally a football game, and they show crowd shots of you know largely white people with jerseys or whoever, and they're cheering on mostly black players. And I'm mm -hmm. like, let one of these dudes take a knee right now. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let I mean, one of them unless like, unless, they're, unless they're showing you shots and like let that. one of them throw up a fist right now. We'll uh, see, we'll see. Unless they're we'll showing you shots in like New England, because most of the crowd there aren't wearing jerseys of black. I was actually nah, thinking. I was actually thinking. I was actually yeah. thinking of the Buffalo Bills. Ah, uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. So one of the things we got into. But shout out to um, Griselda. We like Griselda. Yes, we do. <laughs> one of the things we uh, spoke about also, and Gerard touched on in his piece. Um, with them was just Bomani and Pablo and their impact mm. of, you know, doing the show that they do. Because when we watched uh, High Noon and it came out, I was very excited because I'm a fan of them both. But yeah, yeah. to see a, you know, a brother and an Asian brother on there um, hosting the show and talking about uh, sports, you know, I think we all would agree that it was very um, important and impactful. And, you know, I had the chance to ask Bomani and Pablo both about, you know, what just the impact was. Mm -hmm of them being minorities and doing the show. And one thing that Bomani, you'll hear him at the start of this uh, answer is that he hadn't even really thought right, about right. it in that way. And I mm -hmm. kind of get why, while you're doing something, you don't see the impact sometimes um, of being, you know, a minority in what you're doing, but this is what they had to say about the impact of being uh, minorities and hosting high noon. Um, I don't know if I've really thought of it so much in that uh, particular context. Um, I suppose there's certainly like representation issues and this is a show that looks a little different than most shows that you were going to see on television. But the biggest reason why we got this show, at least I like to think is that we're pretty good at what we're doing. And so that, that for me has always just been the primary thing is that for a long grind and trying to figure out how to do this, to be in a position to do this at all, 
you know, there's, there are but so many slots for anybody to do this. Let I me mean, like, regardless of like, just for people with two feet, there ain't too many people with two feet that have got something like this. I will say for me, it's all kind of novel. This is my first five day a week co-hosting job. And I get told a lot and I feel it a lot that it means something for me to be an Asian dude, um, to be an Asian anything, because that just doesn't really exist in many of those five day a week slots. So I have been enjoying what that is, because that's not something that I have felt as acutely until now when you realize, oh, shit, yeah, that's kind of different. Yeah, and I could totally relate to that, what they were saying there, especially even what Pablo had to say at the end there, where it's like you kind of have this moment where you don't realize it or relate to it. You know, me doing what I do and reporting for AccuWeather, Mm -hmm. I am the only black field reporter, Um, the only minority now, that is, I'm the only minority field reporter. So sometimes you're not aware of it, but when people see you, somebody came up to me the other day, it was the first time somebody recognized me from AccuWeather, and it was a a brother while I was out in the story. Mm. And, you know, he was just like, you know, man, keep doing what you're doing. Like, seeing you out there, you don't see many of us out there. You know, we don't really do the hurricanes like that. That is true. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, do, I, I do it in my way of safety. And my man, <laughs> I, I will say, yeah, I give you props. Cause I'm like, man, it's brutal out there where he is right now. You <laughs> know, rain going sideways. I yeah. was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. But you, you sometimes, you know, you don't have these perspectives. And I think, Brian, you'll see this a lot too as, as you get older. And I've heard it from people like Marley. Um, you know, other people who have Latino um, descent working in the media is that people come up to them and tell them this. You know, I remember working in News 12 and people come up to me or even the, the best stuff that's happened to me where people have recognized me and told me the impact of being a black man doing what I do has been when people recognize me from stuff from Backpack. That's been like kind of like the best stuff where people come and told me like from young kids. And that's that's cool and humbling. So, you know, we all have an impact in what we're doing, we have to remember there are people younger than us watching us doing it in the way we're doing it now that are going to try to progress and do it better. So I always think that's important. Have you guys had that experience with people telling you about the impact of you as a minority and what it is you're doing in the space that you're doing? Absolutely. I mean, one of the early things I did, um, Malcolm Jenkins, um, when he's on the Eagles, he is from New Jersey and he went to high school in South Brunswick, I want to say one of the Brunswick's. And I was there for a little give back that he did, and um, I was talking to him and, and his mom, and his mom was just like, you know, it's really good to see you out here doing this, coming out. We really appreciate you. There are not a lot of people that look like us that, you know, that are in media, that want to cover stories like this. You know, I've done local radio, and, you know, you'll have people at the end of the sign-off, but when they're done with their call, say, I really appreciate, you know, having brothers on here talk about this stuff. It's It's a different perspective, right? It's a perspective that an other audience member can relate to, right? That's the thing. It's like you look at the NFL, for instance, right? When they have all of their sort of situations and their issues, it seems as though they only cater to and care about one specific demographic of their fan base. Mm-hmm. And from a business standpoint, it's understandable, right? Like right. I, the majority of your audience in a stance tend to be white. So I, I get that. But you know, the percentage of people in there who probably think that way might be small. You are alienating a whole other part of your yeah. fan base because, you know, you have a problem with some players, you know, um, protesting against the sanctioned killing of unarmed citizens. I, actually, right? the, the, like, inter- the interesting thing there from the business standpoint of the NFL is they are actually assuming the way they think most of the white people are going to think. Right. right. And you don't – we don't necessarily know that. Exactly. And I actually don't think it's exactly it's as broad as they might think. And that's oh, – don't, don't get me wrong. Those people exist. Oh, they're there, <laughs> of course. Yeah. But the, and that's there. something that Bomani has said all the time, right? It's like he said it on his podcast and on his on, on various shows – you know, the NFL owners think you're more racist than I think you actually are, right? Like, right. 
yes, there are definitely that element of oh, people. Oh, the racists are there. They are there. there. But by and large, a lot of, I even eventually, the majority of white fans can probably be cool with people and not think about it. Like, all right, we're good. Right. Let's keep it moving. We're going to watch some football. The, the, better so, question, the better question you should ask around that, I'll let you go, Brian. The better question people might want to ask about that is how much of the majority of white fans actually care about the issues right. that the dudes are actually protesting against. Yeah. That's the better question. That's where I'm not necessarily sure that as many care as they do. I think a lot of them just are like, oh, that doesn't affect me. Right. So, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's the majority of people. Remember, a lot of those people want to watch sports for an escape, so they could care less about any of these issues and things of that nature. No, nah, they couldn't, and they've been escaping from uh, some of the issues of that for quite a long time. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I would say in terms of representation, I don't think I've ever had anyone come up to me in that sort of way, um, but I do know that doing that, me doing La Cultura was important. Remember that yeah, story yeah, we did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, that's, no, that's good. That's good. That, I'm glad that, you brought that up. That's something that we've talked extensively about for people that don't know. It was a sideline story, basically documentary style, 11-minute piece where me and Dexter uh, basically produced it. Uh, I was produce it. <laughs> I was the I was the correspondent. Um, we covered uh, three boxers, all of whom were Puerto Rican. Zachary Ochoa, Matthew Gonzalez, Edgar Berlanga, who is now with Top Rank Boxing. So he's actually going to become a star pretty soon. All three of them going to fight the day before the Puerto Rican Day Parade and where Felix Trinidad and Miguel Cotto long established before, that's actually a pretty big deal for us, for our people. You know what I mean? So we sort of documented that. And another angle to that was it was the first Puerto Rican Day Parade after Hurricane Maria, to which, you know, there wasn't a lot of help from Americans in terms Mm -hmm. of the aftermath of that. We don't have to get into that whole thing. But even, I feel like even, that even was... Even though Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Like people who don't look right. at it that way. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. You know, oh, we're allegedly Americans, too, but, like, <laughs> not say. really. You know, we'll have the president just go and just shoot fucking, you know, toilet paper at people and shit. <laughs> Y'all forgot about that. Oh, that oh I think I think about that, that often. Wild. I think about that and often. And I understand why, you know, but, like, I... I right, me, right, I right. Lie. Because I... I Listen, I forgot how disrespectful I'm not, that was. I'm not going to get yeah, right. We Pe- talked about it in a way. People just way, people just sweep that shit under the rug. But like, dog, do you re- what? Do we not understand how offensive that shit is? Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Uh, and, I, I like, like, not no, we do yeah. in this room. But I'm saying just in general, like people right. just sweep that under the rug because he does a lot of fucking crazy shit. Um, now you got cursing a lot. You got me cursing a lot. Know that? <laughs> what but, a, we got we got an explicit tag. The, the labels up. But uh, and then there's also uh, when I was at MSG. Yeah, I was probably the only Latino on camera there. Not was that. I'm still there, just on a free basis. You might be the only Latino has been on camera there for quite some time. But I'm saying, like, during that spring-summer period where, you know, we were doing all the shows at the same time, then, yeah, I was probably the only Latino person on camera. I'm trying to think of another one, but I don't really think there was and that, one. And that kind of transitions. And I want to say one thing. That's not a knock on them, I obviously. Wanna, I, but I'm just no. saying, I'm just saying, like, that gives you an idea of, of what the representation. The because we are often... You guys go through this a lot, but we go through this a lot, too, where if we're Latino speaking English on camera, we're often the only one at Network X doing that. That's that, You know what that, I mean? That, that is that I absolutely see that. The one thing I was going to say with Brian doing the La Cultura thing and where it made me see a lot of how representation matters in executive producing that is that is a, a, one of our best videos we've done for Backpack and Sideline and to see how it connected um, with people, even while we were doing it, to, to be at the King's Theater, to shoot that, to see how people were connecting around the fight, the pride, Puerto Rican, not my culture, obviously, but to be around it was so dope. To see people, somebody commented on the video the other day, people are still watching it yeah. and really it's like about, it. So it's, it's it actually told year. me two things about 
the need to create content like that yeah. where you have somebody like Brian who's Puerto Rican because that story doesn't work the same way if I tell right, it. Right, right. Right? It yep. doesn't work the same way. Mm-hmm. This is, And this is where I think people sometimes need to understand as a fellow minority, I can say, hey, I'm a black mm-hmm. guy who has mm-hmm. no place telling this story. You need the Puerto Rican guy right. on this right. who's from the culture to tell the story. And right. Brian was able to do that because he's able to talk with these fighters and connect with them based on their shared culture. Those things are important. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Brian, you brought up about the lack of representation, and Gerard, you've talked about this too. We talked with Bomani and Pablo about how it's hard for minorities to get into sports media. Um, and, and and why that is, and the the one thing we actually Going talked through about this right now, right? <laughs> yeah, and the one the I one mean... the one thing we talked about, and you brought up Gerard uh, to both Bo and Pablo, was when you look at sports media and sports business, there's this high emphasis now, especially in analytics mm-hmm. and having that quantitative background, mm-hmm. and that is seems or it appears to be, but I think there's hard data on this that is closing the doors for a lot of, mm-hmm. of people that you're not seeing. Yep. And you pose a question. Um, to Bomani, who I believe answered first about, you know, is this affecting minorities getting into sports and sports media, sports business too, front offices, that kind of thing, Yeah. Um, if they don't have a quantitative yeah. background? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's going somewhat, right? I think that there's going to be a demand for content that is very quantitatively based. I also think, though, that there's always going to be a demand for content that is generated through relationships and through the ability to talk to people and be around. Like, I don't think the value for that stuff is going to go away. But the quantitative stuff, it's not the problem that's at play there is not one that the industry is equipped to fix, right? Like, the industry can do maybe help in some ways on this, but the industry can't change the fact that education in this country, by and large, has discouraged non white males, um, with the obvious glaring exception of Asians. Like, everybody else is being discouraged from engaging in mathematical type of stuff. By the time a publication gets you, that's not, that's not, that's not in their place to fix, right? But they also need to recognize that that is a problem, that, you know, this is a systemic sort of thing before they look up one day and they got nothing but white dudes working there. And then they're like, I don't understand how this happened. Right. No, we do know how it happened and the things that pro- people can probably do to fix it. But I do. I think there will be a value for non-quantitatively oriented people all the time. Now, are non-white men going to be getting more of those jobs than anybody else? Probably not. History indicates that won't be the case. But I don't. I worry about I do worry about a wall of access being denied because of the quantitative stuff. But the quantitative stuff is symptom, right? The disease, if it ain't that, it's going to be something else. 
There is a wrinkle, though, to the quantitative stuff. So one irony, I think, and one correction is that, like, I don't think anyone's encouraging Asians to get into math outside of their own, like, families. Yeah, there's nobody's keeping them out. But there is a large conversation in college admissions right now that actually is incentivizing people to stop getting into math. So I think there's a complication because as much as I agree with the broad strokes we've laid out, right, something that is true about the quantitative analytics thing is that it enables certain people who also never had access to this stuff, women, right, Asian people. Um, that's the other side of the coin. And so there is a disease here. Um, but it's also, I think, important to note, like, there's also complexity within said disease in terms of the trickle down to, like, all the people who may or may not be getting jobs in general. So the the point when Pablo started making this point mm-hmm. and he talked about uh, Bomani voted the fact that nobody's keeping right. Asians out of, right. of math. One thing I want to note for people listening to this podcast that we all know, and they talked about this on High Noon. Pablo had been invited to the Sloan Conference. For mm-hmm. those who do not know, the Sloan Conference is an annual conference uh, where you get a lot of people in Sloan sports. Analytics. Sloan mm-hmm. Analytics mm-hmm. Conference. Thank, thank conference, you. Yep. So it's all people who do stuff in analytics around sports, and a lot of NBA guys go up there, people in all front offices, different things. Pablo has been invited to speak on a panel mm-hmm. about analytics. Bomani was invited to speak on a, on a panel but it was about race. Mm. Now you might say, ah, oh, what's the what's the problem here? Bomani has two economics degrees. Nobody's probably more qualified to talk about the numbers and in terms of how it relates to sports between the two of them than him. However, what I think Bomani was alluding to, and he, and he said this before too, is there are perceptions that go around and stereotypes that go around uh people from the Asian community with math or expectations, not saying that Pablo's not smart or doesn't know math because he's an absolutely smart dude. But what he's saying is look at that in, in terms of just taking that. His mm-hmm. point was nobody's stopping the Asians right. community, excuse me, right. from there. Nobody was stopping Pablo from being able to talk at the Sloan conference, but nobody was actually saying, Hey, Bomani, Mr. Two economics degrees. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come in here and speak about those numbers? Yeah, yeah. Because you're probably the best person to do it. I found that fascinating. Yeah. I did like that Bomani, Pushed on that yeah. and um, kind of, I don't yeah. say shut it down, but kind of pushed back on yeah. it there. What What do you think of that, Gerard? I, I love that exchange, and I wrote this in my piece. Like, but that's like who those two are. Like, again, I, I think I wrote in the piece. The cameras have been off for thirty minutes. Like, that's how they would talk if we weren't there. If they were just having a drink, Bonnie doesn't drink, but like if they were having brunch <laughs> or whatever, like that's how they would talk to each other. Which is what I love about the genuine authenticity of one. These two are friends, right? And how they communicate and talk about sports. I want to be clear about the analytics piece. Of yes. It, right? Like, the three of... There's the three of us. I'm like, can I count? I hope you can. <laughs> I was like, Stop <laughs> making us a bad with numbers, man. <laughs> yeah, you just started with analytics. I know, right? I know. I'm like, the, three? The, the three of us do like analytics a great deal. And I often, when I write about basketball, will reference things like true shooting percentage, effective field goal, win shares for 48. And I like the numbers a lot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, like other people believe that it is a tool in my toolbox not the entire thing i base a whole argument off of right right i need the eyeball test there are also the people part of it right like okay this guy looks good from an analytic standpoint is he gonna get along with russell westbrook probably not right so he's not gonna fit on this team there's a whole other aspect of it and you see it in the writing and this is the part about where are people being kept out i'm not gonna again call out names but anyone who reads basketball writing as a just to take the NBA, for example. Yeah. 
there is a clear difference who talks to players and what kind of players mm. and the relationships they have and those who strictly go by numbers and talk to the analytical and front office and the and the analytical GMs yep. and, the, and the ones who think about things from a pure quant and data standpoint. Both are useful. One and one, I think, are like, that's when you get into danger territory. And when you talk about it from that perspective, right, it changes the conversation, the narrative around it, right? It becomes fantasy and it becomes, I'm like, quote unquote, an owner, right? Mm-hmm. You are not a person, you're an asset, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a term I can't stand. Can't stand and it. I'm always like correcting myself and others. They're people. A draft pick, like the seventh pick in the 2020 draft, that is an asset. Until right? the Until, selection is made. Yes. yes. Once selection is made, Joe Smith is now a person, right. not an asset. Well, it might be Cole Anthony. But right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know, no, you know but, right. but, but right. But I, and, and, and that's my thing. And I also feel the need. It's funny that you mentioned that because I always feel the need before free agency, before the trade deadline to sort of remind people like, hey, when you're talking about players who are about to be moved, you know, in these transactions and things of that nature – they're not assets. They're players, unless it's obviously a draft And pick. they're people, human beings. And then I tend to usually get a couple of responses like, oh, what's the big deal? What if I want to call them an asset? Like, technically, they're an asset to a company. And then it'd be like, see, that's the problem. See, yeah. well, that's, that's – that And I, you know the kinds of people yes, who typically but say But I that. always find that interesting. We could take this back to the beginning of this podcast and something that happened. When somebody says something to you and says, hey, there might be this better way to say this, like Brian did with mm-hmm. saying – Hey, instead of saying you work for somebody, right. you can say you work with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I want to push back and yeah, do it yeah, my yeah. way that I've you always can, you been. Can push uh, back, but if you think about it, you're like, yo, nah, I kind of see what he's saying there. I see, I, I believe words of power. So you kind of see power. what's being said there. Yeah. If you That's not, why I said in the beginning of this podcast, yes. this is why I say work with, not, not for. for. There's because, a reason I do that. It, because it, I do think it matters. I think words of power. Language matters. I do think it matters. The concern for me when we look at that is we, we look at who's who are in these front offices and the numbers guys, and I think uh, Bomani and Pablo both talking about this, and then also on the writing end of it, right? You talked about there's a clear difference between who's kind of just talking to, like, the front office people and the GMs and have those close relationships and who's actually has a close uh, relationships with the players. And a lot of it is the people that look more like myself and Gerard in terms of basketball, and a lot of the people that are writing more of the analytical stuff seem to look like, you know, the majority of this country. Outside of, you know, I can't really think of too many dudes – that look like myself and Gerard to do the analytical stuff outside of my man Chris Herring for 538. Right, right. Outside of that, I don't know too many people that do that. And I get concerned yep. um, in terms of somebody who loves the NBA yeah. and loves basketball writing and likes both sides of analytical yeah. and the player stuff, as Gerard alluded to. I get concerned that we don't have enough representation there. Yeah. And I think that's a definite cause for concern. And that's the thing. And I don't look, I'm not going to sit up here and say that this is some grand conspiracy, right? Like th- that may be <laughs> taking it a step No, it's, too it's far, systemic. Right? It's, it's, right. Right. It is yeah, systemic. Yeah. And as Bomani said, that's the symptom, right? Like if not that, it's going to be something else, right? It's the larger overall structure of the industry that we're talking about. And you know, we saw it recently with layoffs happening at a variety of different publications, Sports Illustrated. This, this yep. industry is topsy-turvy. But what ends up happening and why representation matters is that when reporters, journalists, and variety of people are laid off from company X, right, their connections and their friends who work at other companies say, oh, you know what, person J, I got something for you here at this place. And it becomes this cyclical thing. Why? Because there are not enough people that look like us who are in decision-making and hiring roles, right? Mm. Look, the goal isn't to be like, 
let's get rid of all white people having jobs and give them all the black people that and, and Latino people. That's not what we're saying. The point no. is there needs to be more of an opportunity for the people who make decisions to have more of a cross section that represent what the world looks like. This right? way, this way, there wouldn't need to be a BET or a Black Sports Online because then you could have you know more diversity in other places, and then we wouldn't feel the need to and sort it, of do things ourselves. And, it, and it's <laughs> an answer to both take that because that's sometimes the pushback you will get from. Uh, the majority is well. Why is there a need for this? Uh, why can't we have a white sports online? We talked about this. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. With Erica Fernandez when she was up because there. everything is white, white sports, sports online. online. Yeah, right. <laughs> like like everything is that. And I think that like they don't they don't they don't get that, and they feel like there is a a threat to do that. So I'm always a big fan and proponent of yes, there needs to be uh, black sports outlets. Yes, there needs to be Latino sports outlets, Asian sports outlets, the organizations we have. NABJ, AAJ, mm-hmm. you know, uh, NAHJ. Mm-hmm. Those things are all important because we need each other and to build and support our base. And one of the things we talk about on this, it's not a, it's not a. Um, sometimes people look at minority empowerment or black empowerment, they feel negatively about that. You know what I mean? Like that is not when I'm proud of my blackness. When I'm proud of right. minority people collaborating mm-hmm. together, that is not anti-white. That right. is me loving myself right. and all of us right. and what we can create and do together because we know how great we can be. It's Yeah, if you look at it too, right, again, as I always say this, sports is a microcosm of the larger society in which it inhabits, yes. right? So it's the same thing in the larger world. The pushback you often get is the idea that we are coming to take something away from someone. And right. that's not yeah. what it actually is, right? Basically, throughout the history of the world, the scales have been tilted one way. We're not trying to tilt it back the other way. Right. We're trying to level it, make it even. That's that's the difference, right? Like, if it's heavily slanted to one side, well, this is why we have what we have. Level the field. Not tilt it back the other direction so that you now become the, uh, the oppressed and the... No, no, no. Level. Yeah. And like, it's not... And it's level. Not, and it's not as if minorities... Blacks, Latinos, whatever, aren't qualified to do these things. Also, right. it's not like it's not like because people say hire the best people for the job. Like, no, they're good. There's right. a lot of people out here that they're very well, good at what well, they do. Well, see, that's another thing, Brian. And I can say this from my years of experience of working. And I've seen this play out a couple other places. Some of these places they ain't even looking for the most diverse people. I have literally seen this happen. Like, oh uh, yeah. To, to you, just to your point, they aren't even doing the work to look, and that's a huge part of the problem. Yeah. Now, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're young. And they're trying to get into the game. They might listen to all this and be like, "Oh man, like this is kind of, <laughs> yo, this is kind of discouraging, right?" Hopeless. And, and, I mean, you and I, Dexter, have talked yes. about both being in positions where we've pretty much known that, "Oh, I'm just being interviewed for this position," so then you could fulfill a quota of, "Oh, I talked to a black person or I yeah. talked to a Latino." You know yeah. what I mean? Like I that's mean, happened. Before. I've, I've said this before to other people. Uh, I'm not going to name the, the whole, company, but that's the definitely whole, happened uh, before. Equal opportunity employment or things you got to fill out in some of these applications. Sometimes the Rooney jobs. Rule. In equal, the opportunity, equal opportunity employment for lack is a bunch of BS. Yes, it's so they kick it sued. That's all. That's all they, it is. They check a box and say, "No, no, look, see." Even though we already know the person they wanted to hire is already they already got them. Yeah. I've watched a lot this, of times. I've yeah. watched this in companies I've worked for where they haven't even been thorough. They haven't even brought in people of color, women, etc. I've seen it. It happens every yeah, day. Just go and into when offices you see and look it happen, around. You'll be like, oh, this is why when I apply for this, I need to get a call, even though I was like clearly qualified. You know what I mean? So just because you click that box, check that box, like Gerard said, it's just so they won't get sued. It doesn't mean that that company is necessarily really about that life. And about that life, I mean in terms of actually 
promoting diversity. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, one of the things we asked, because we just said how it sounds so <laughs> destitute, and it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you'd want to. We asked him about that, too. <laughs> I don't know why you would want to get into this game, but we did ask Bomani and mm-hmm. Pablo, hey, what advice do you have for minorities trying to get into this game? And this is what they had to say. Knowing what you're talking about matters more than anything else. And so, like, the idea that I'm just going to get this journalism degree, there's a lot of people out here that have journalism degrees, but the journalism degree is going to teach you how to use the tools of the moment, and the tools of the moment are not going to be the tools of the future necessarily. Like, I didn't understand it when a lot of the newspaper guys were freaking out in newspapers closing and to go to the Internet. I didn't, I didn't see what the big deal was. I'm like, cool, you used to write over here. Now you go right over there. No, they learned how to do a very particular set of things. And so it is much better to, like, develop your brain to learn how to do the next set of things than it is to just be all locked in on I'm going to learn how to do this one thing. Like, the biggest thing, really, knowing what you are talking about is more important than anything else. Because I did not have, like, a beat writing background or anything like that. Uh, And the reason I could hang or get in early is that I really knew what I was talking about. Like, I knew the actual sports stuff that I was getting into. If you do that, because in the end, that's what these people care about for this stuff. They're coming in to find out about sports. And if they think your opinions about sports are compelling, you got a chance to stick around. If you don't know the sports, you have no chance. I would say that if you can, and if you have the inclination, learn how to write and report as a basic skill set. Like it's something that even if we're not on the beat today, we're always making calls, picking other people's brains, whether they be primary sources or secondary sources. The second thing is that I find useful, um, develop taste, like know what you like and know why you like it and know what the person that you like is doing so that you can sort of break it down structurally. So for me, like, what are your favorite writers doing? Who are your favorite people on TV? What makes them great? I think having a developed sense of taste is actually underrated as opposed to like, oh, here are the big people. I want to be like them. Well, like, no, why do you actually like them? And what can you yourself see yourself doing? I thought both of those answers were great. And and the one thing that Bomani said about, um, you know, older people in terms of writing when he Mm -hmm. was getting into the game. um, And I can relate to this because I'm three years younger than Bomani. But I remember on the video side, of things. I remember back in 2007, um, I remember working for the New York Post and going, I remember this, I went to a, um, a giant, it was a Giants tour. This is when the Giants won their first Super Bowl run. Shout out to Eli. Um, <laughs> oh boy. And I, I, I rolled up. Shout out to Brandon I'm, Jacobs. I'm this, yeah, I'm this, this young, <laughs> 25 year old dude coming up here and I got my gear and I got a smaller camera. I'm setting up for this press conference and I do that. And this dude who was from, I don't remember this dude's name, but he's from Fox, older guy. And he's like, he looked at me. He's like, yo, you think that's going to last? And I was like, so I was like, what do you, what do you mean Wait, it's going to last? And he's like, you video. know, people using these smaller cameras and like video, he's like, you're doing video for New York Post on the video on the web. He's like, no, I think it's going to be a fad. I don't think that's going to last. <laughs> and Bomani saying that about the people writing made me, and I, in that moment, I was like, Nah, dude's wrong. He's like, yo, I, people, nobody's gonna read the newspaper on their phones, and I was like, I already am. <laughs> like, I, like I had just got my first BlackBerry. I was like, yeah, I'm already doing that. Yeah. You know, this is before like iPads yeah. and tablets were coming out, but I kind of saw where that oh, was yeah. going. The thing, advice, and Brian knows I've said this to Brian because I've talked to Brian about this many times. The things I try to tell people in terms of advice I try to give younger people in terms of journalism is. Be as diverse as possible mm-hmm. as Yo, you can we in were, your skill set. We were just mm-hmm. talking about this and off mic. And the reason you have to, you and even for me, now as I'm getting closer towards 40, mm-hmm. you always have to be looking at how to do things your way. Yep. You can't have a blind eye to things. I've seen other people, too, who are a little older than me, be like, I'm not going to use social media. Yeah. Clearly, Good that luck. was, clearly that unless, was not, unless not you're right. Unless you're like Iron Eagle level, 
where you're already at the yeah. point where you're at and they ask you if you want to get on social media and you're like, Say, nah, no, I'm good. Like, then very you, you got to get on it. Bro. What I'm saying is coming up, you can't, you can't right. ignore it. Yeah. There yeah. are things I might not like about social media, but I understand how you have to, you have to use a game and play it to your advantage. I think that's right, one of the things exactly. Bomani's saying is you have to know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. diversify your skill set as much as possible because look, we're minorities. We already have strikes against us in, in that way. It's more of the reason why you have to be more diverse in your skill set and give yourself more chances, opportunities to do what you can't do. And look, yeah. w- w- one of the things too, and I I know I've heard Bo say this, and I this is something that happened to me in my life, and it's important to note, even with knowing exactly what you're talking about and being as diverse as possible in terms of your skill set, sports you cover, you'll be able to write, you know, Brian, you and I talk about this all the time, right? I mean, the, the, the goal for us, me, we talk about is the triple threat, right? Some kind of audio, radio form, right? Podcast, some kind of video on camera form and the written word, right? That is how we consume information. That part is probably not going to change. So being adept at all three of those verticals is a good thing. But still in all, you're still going to need luck. Mm-hmm. And you're still going to need connections in many ways. Some white person is going to have to help you and take a chance on you for you to get that opportunity. Yeah. And once that door is slivered open, you've got to put the boot and knock that thing down, right? Th- Word. That, that still is because, again, back to the representation, there aren't enough people who look like us who make those kinds of hiring decisions and choices. And there are people Great who point. don't look like us who just write. Right. And when they get out of a job, other people co-sign them, and then they get another writing job, and then we have to just wait in line. A again. lot of that, if we're being Or true, move even further back. A lot of that, if we're even true, is just being like something Gerard. I think you brought, brought it up, too. Actually, you brought it up, Brian, actually, about just not having those connections, those uh, those collegiate connections. If you didn't go to a Northwestern Yo, or Syracuse, the problem or is that the problem is that, and when you know when these sort of things happen, or where certain people co-sign other people, being like, "Yo, hire this person, hire this person, hire this person." So for the rest of us that are trying to sort of get in the game and get in those circles, what does that mean? That means we have to continue to wait our turn while these same people get four or five turns over and over and over well, again. Well, another thing too is we don't even have anybody lobbying for us, right? Like that's we we, well, that's that yeah, exactly. Even, that that also just doesn't exist. More of the reason why I'm saying this is just in terms of the minority empowerment, why you have to continue to try to do for yourself. New podcast alert. Life coaches Marguerite Pierce and Lindsay Jackson are bringing a rich blend of laughter, love, and wisdom to their podcast, Necessity. The pod seeks to reestablish the basic tenets of self-love, self-confidence, goal accomplishment, and the ability to love life on your own terms. Necessity is available on all major podcast platforms, so grab a cup and listen up as two coaches are on a mission to shift perspective one sip at a time. Now, we talked a lot about race and representation this episode around uh, sports, but we also um, <laughs> we did have the chance to I know talk where this to is going. <laughs> Bomani and Pablo about some other stuff. All right, so we got two, we, two things we talked about. One was hip-hop. The other was the NBA. Which one do we want to take first? Hip hop first. All right, so let's do the hip hop. So yeah. hip hop first because I asked that question. Yeah. You asked that question. <laughs> so I I actually asked Bomani about. Well, first I asked him, and I and I knew when I said it. I said, "Yo, man, like Bomani's gonna like push back on me in this question." I asked him what he thought about the state was of hip hop, and it was a horrible question because it was way too general, right? <laughs> like it was just way too general. You, you, you for that. more specifics. I had to be more specific, and then I told him like, "How does he feel about how hip hop has progressed?" Because he and I and Gerard are kind of about the same age, how it's progressed to where it is now. I asked him that, and then I thought Brian 
came up with a really good follow-up about, you know, hip-hop and what it means to Bomani's answer that he had to say, and I thought See, it was pretty I'm interesting. I'm there when he needs me. Yeah. See that? I, nah, <laughs> I don't know about all that. No, no, no. No, no, no. We can't, we can't have that because we talked about... My entire we life, about support. My entire life is a fight for respect. There you Listen, man. <laughs> That's what all short people are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. see, I like that you know that. You're oh, no, aware of no. that. I'm aware. Yo, bro. Listen, you me, have a Napoleon me, complex. Me and Isaiah Thomas ride together, bro. What do you God. mean? Is he taller than you? Yes. He's about the same height. Yes. He, he might be 5'9". I'm about 5'8". So, you know. Y'all just want to be tall so bad. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, actually. You do wish you were tall. No, no, I really don't. Because then I don't have that edge. Do you have an edge? Yeah. Do you, mean, or I mean, are you just angry? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, fair question. <laughs> it's a fair it, question. And, but slash, you know what? It could be both. It absolutely can. could I be both. Brian, you need you, a hug, man? You all right? No, 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 no. no we, we talked about this. this, <laughs> this, this, this <laughs> I'm good, This man. has to be discussed on another podcast. What? No, it doesn't. No, oh, it does. Oh, it does. But this is what uh, Bomani had to say about the progression of hip-hop as it stands here in 2019. Definitely progress. I mean, there's, there's no way that something can exist for this time period and not have a progression, right? Um, and has it grown? I guess it all depends on what you mean by grow, right? You can make that argument. The, 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 the thing that gets me that when people want to talk about progress and growth is that they typically do that at the expense of what was there before. Like the diversity of sound that exists now, there's always been a diversity of sound. Like what's happened now that that I personally don't like nearly as much is that there is no, regions don't have particular sounds in that way anymore right it's not really a west coast sound it's not really a down south sound it's not really your cities individually don't have their sounds and that created a diversity that i think was more important than people like really gave credit for was just having all these different places that had their completely different feels and vibes about how they went about approaching rap you know and approaching everything that was around it now what you have is more people who have access to the tools to make records more people who have access to the tools Put stuff out like we have more things that we can get our hands on than we could ever get it's probably easier for a lot of guys to make careers without being on the radio than it ever been so as a result we do hear more voices i think we do hear more perspectives you know in 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 where we stand but like for me like the state state of hip-hop is basically the same no matter what it is right it's going to be some people that really really care about this that are really going to be invested and really trying to make this happen it's always going to be somebody who winds up coming out who takes the game to a whole different place but i am not one of those people that looks at now as just being it's different in some ways right like i think now the one thing that is different now versus like when i was younger is the idea of being a great rapper doesn't matter in the same way that it used to like the idea of making great music still really matters but somebody being very concerned with like being the best rapper in the world that doesn't that don't matter like it did you know 20 years ago let's just fight, used to fight them, but don't yeah. you but no don't you, them, but don't you think that kind of hurts it though like in terms of just that and nobody really because there are a lot of people now like cardi b's an example where she just said that she just kind of wants to make music to make music yeah you know I, yeah no but i think there's room there's room for that also right i mean so you take like jay-z 1998 Jay-Z was trying to sell as many records as he could. He did care about being the best rapper that was out there. But, like, within that one person, there's room for both things in that space. So, like, I don't look at Cardi B and be like, yo, that's one of the coldest MCs ever. But I do look at that album and be like, yo, that was a really good, that was a really good record. And I think that there is a value 
and having some people who just want to come out here and just make good music. But as somebody who like really cares about the art form of rapping itself, I do wish there was a place where there was more people who were just like, no, I am here to be the best rapper that's out there. Flip side of that is a lot of those guys who want to be the best rapper that's out there, guys or women, are not good at actually making songs and music. You know what I mean? So like to have both, I'm good with. I'm just rooting for Kanye to be like not humiliating people who want to claim him as their favorite musician like me. Um, I would like for me to be able to enjoy whatever this next album is because that is the shame I carry around with me a lot. And I don't care about Kanye's next album, <laughs> honestly. But, but that that was that was um, I, I thought Bomani's take on you know hip hop. I agree with him on the regionality. It saddened me a little bit, man. Just because it saddened you, yeah. Because I feel the same way though. Like I wish more people were out here trying to be the best MC, and I miss when hip hop was a little bit more regional, where I can listen to certain certain snares, certain things in records where oh, this person's from Atlanta. Like Atlanta had a sound, New York had a sound, the West Coast had a sound. Now you have dudes from New York making records that sound like they're from Atlanta and vice versa. Well, it's it's homogenous now, nature. right? Because I think people just get on SoundCloud, YouTube, whatever, and they're like, oh, yeah. just get this beat and just do whatever everybody else is doing, right? Because it's not so much about the idea of the, the craftsmanship of being an MC yes. or being a musical artist. It's, I'm trying to become famous to get paid. I will right? say so, that, I will say this. You could tell with certain artists, like, Maybe maybe not all artists are like that, like with good artists. Like when I heard Dave East, for example, I could tell he's a New Yorker. I could tell he's from Harlem and all these things. I hear certain other artists, I could tell from the, they're from the West Coast. But for the most part, that sort of regionality is pretty phased out. I, I, do, I do miss that. Like I, I do miss that. One thing that did come up that we don't, we don't have the audio from, uh, Gerard <laughs> has support because, you know, he thinks My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and this is also in his bio at the bottom of the BT article, <laughs> is the best uh, album in the last 20 years. I did not agree, but in talking to Bomani, we spoke a little about this after. After uh, Bomani thinks that album is dope, that in a way that I don't think it's as dope. So I just I disagree both of you on that. You know, for me, and we've talked about this before, but I do we have to talk about it again? Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> no, no, no. Every time I'm up here, I'm, I'm gonna bang that drum every time I come up here. Yo, you sound you, you sound like him. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm like him. Because right the first episode, the very first, you low key get more agitated than I do. I will say that what? much. Come on, I just see, see, but you see, perception is not always no, reality. Are, no, the perception. No, on, I'm challenging no, this right on, now. No, see, no. certain things get manufactured <laughs> and prompt up no, through the lenses of social media no or through certain actions and highlights, but they're not <laughs> always the, the case. But they're not always the case from a constant. 100% standpoint so of perception is this not, is such. So perception is not always reality, right? But the thing that people don't want to say sometimes is sometimes, man, reality is reality. And you just be mad. <laughs> you do just be mad sometimes. Like you, just, no, but, you walk in, like we were walking, we came back. I'm, I'm happier than y'all nah, nah, give me quick, credit quick, for. Quick, quick story, right? So we come back from the Bomani thing. We're going up to go uh, have a, a libation. Oh, nah, come and, on. We're, and we're on the escalator. And Brian all of a sudden is ice cream on somebody. And me and Dexter, like, no, no, to be fair to him. The dude was kind of grilling He him. was looking at us mad hard. Yeah, but Dexter didn't have that reaction. How come we weren't like, let's go. I noticed him grilling me. Because, but I was like, because keep it moving. Because y'all are older, have lived a little more, so y'all are a little bit more peaceful. And taller. 
Because <laughs> that matters here. Gerard ain't that tall. I mean, but I'm taller than you. But he, not by much. <laughs> but see, I, I wonder, as a shorter person, when you see that person sort of looking at you funny and grilling, you really more got to prove yourself. Well, I could just be like, yo, I'm 6'2". You don't want this. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me say this. Like, I, I don't think I had to prove myself there. I'm just, you know, you. I just stay ready. That's it. But see... I, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> always, I'm always ready in a way that you don't have to be because you have to acknowledge that because of your lack of verticality. No, you guys. You have to, no, you have to stay first, ready. first of all, first of, of all, when I was playing basketball, I had a thirty-something inch vertical. Like I, I could okay. jump, but you ain't jumping right? when you fighting, though. You just stand. Uh, uh, right? Have you seen Jorge Masvidal oh, versus oh, Ben oh, Askren? Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, forget MMA. Listen, a lot of the best fighters in the world are my size. All right. That makes you feel so good, right? Yeah. Back, back, to, yeah, back to dark fantasy. So f- yeah. Me and Floyd Mayweather, we the same oh size. I ain't him. I ain't him in a lot of ways. All right. I, I, Trust I, me. Yeah, least, yeah. We're grateful for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Look, it. I often talk about it to you guys, but it, it really, to me, is the craft of being a musician and a composer and arranger of quality work. And forget about the idea of, is he a great rapper or all that? Like, that's not even a thing. Like, who's making that argument? Nobody. No but he's one, not. But no one makes that Kanye, argument. Kanye, Kanye was do, a great hip-hop artist. I know what artist. you mean. I don't think and, and so that, to me, that piece of work from beginning to end in its musical construction and composition, from the way in which it tells a story arc, right? The first half, right? The 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 beautiful, right? It is, the, it is organized well. The dark, I no, I, right? And then the twisted to end it, right? The whole, the dichotomy of the struggle between ego and insecurity, right? That whole thing that it does and this, it, the bombacity, the, the sonic nature of it, all of that is an incredible work of art. Period. I think it's in a, a vacuum. I, I think it's, I, well, and that's fine. I think it's a good album. I just don't think it's a great album. I agree. Reasonable, reasonable. Well, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna be, while, I ain't gonna be mad at you for that. <laughs> right, but while I disagree, I do wish that he was still doing stuff like that. that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I, to me, that's oh, his, to me, that to me, that's his last good project. I agree with that. Um, which I mean, is why I mean, to me, that's his, that's his best album, right? Like to me, that is his greatest album that he's put together. Like I'm I, not, I'm not gonna fight you on that because that's how you no, feel. No, but you, you said that when we talked. I think Bomani feels the same way. Yeah, he because does. He, he agreed. And he asked me what I thought was best, and I said if I probably had to do it, the album that I probably really think is tightest and I like beginning to end, I said graduation. And we didn't, we're not playing this. But Bomani said right. to me, and I'm paraquoting him. He said he asked me how old I was. And I told right. him I was three years younger. <laughs> right. And he said he could see that in yep. my where I was. How graduation hits for me a little mm-hmm. bit differently of yeah. that, and I understood where he. Was I get coming it from. too. My my boy Akeem, one of my best friends in the world, he's two years older than me. That's his favorite Kanye album. I can also. see that, and but so, I can see that because around that age, because we don't, we yeah. don't talk about this enough. About and you said this when we were going to this place where we sat after this interview was about how albums hit you at the time, and you love the darkness of that album. And I can think of albums that I like that are really dark, mm-hmm. and just the emotion of why it hits you. Mm-hmm. This is the point, and what's beautiful about music is you have to understand and respect. Yeah. How music hits certain yeah. people differently, and and, you know and just the, the aesthetic, right? It's like the thing we talk about basketball all the time, right? Like how Kobe stands get all angry about things, and like <laughs> when you argue with them about, and you use maybe like an analytical yeah, point of view Kobe, Kobe to be like, look, like he's a volume shooter, right? Never his career numbers are he's a forty three percent shooter, like that's not good in the aggregate. Yes, I understand he dropped eighty one points. I understand how he makes you feel when he did this and pulled his shirt to the side and was mean mugging. I get all that, but yeah. the, the actual data suggests that. The point that I'm making, right? Volume shooter is accurate. Right? Not even like, just the, not even just the data. Is similar in that way, right? Like it hits you a certain way, yeah. and 
again, it's 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 that it's that composition, particularly when that came in his point of life, right? Because that was the whole at Taylor Swift, he was literally like pariah persona non grata. Nobody wanted to hear shit from that dude, right? Yeah. So he's like, here's my comeback album, which is also, by the way, a double finger salute to all you MFers, right? Like it, it it's that's what to me is so interesting. That that contrast, the idea of on a song we're talking about of a toast for the douchebag and toast for the assholes. Right. He's he's single handedly talking about himself. I am a douchebag and an asshole, but so are all of you, right? Yeah. Like that to me is that's incredible. how I'm gonna but promise I think, myself to sit with a little bit more. And I think and I think timing is everything. This is why Stillmatic is sort of revered the way it is, probably in particular Ether, which has since you know grown into a debate as to whether it's better than Takeover. But we're not here to do that. I actually down on that song more than I was when I first heard it. But, but the time. The timing of it was what sort of prompted up also, other than the fact that Stillmatic is a great project, oh, but, is, yeah. but when it came out, that was when Nas was basically written off. It was over. He's never going to come back. That, Jay-Z that. kept dissing him or whatever, and then he came back with a song that sounded the way it sounded, and then he had certain things to say. This is why I also like You Only Live Twice a Lot, Freddie Gibbs' first mm-hmm. album, when he got out of That's that situation. Oh, listen, listen you, you, but you know, a Freddie Gibbs fan. I like Freddie like, Gibbs. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you, you He'd be you on the right side. Without, without no, we've Gibbs done a lot now without <laughs> Freddie Gibbs. And, and Brian knows that, Fred, that Freddie Gibbs' bandana is going to be up there in my album of the year discussions because I actually do like that album a well, lot. Well, here's what I'm uh, so well, yeah. yeah I mean, there, there's something to be said for that. Where certain certain things that come out and the timing of it. I right? agree. I think and I, then I think that's a great point. With, that's why that's why Section Eighty is still one of my favorite Kendrick Lamar projects because that's you back to your high school days. That's something that I yeah. listened to my entire senior yeah. year of high school. That was my short, that was my album. Short and, angry. And, and those first three Kanye albums, they kind of like they were they were a theme, right? And College I, dropout, late registration, graduation, right? Yes. They, they they fit an aesthetic. And we were supposed all, to get, all those we were scholars, supposed to get a good ass job, but we didn't get that. And, and, all, the, all the scholars were, you know, loving that. That hit for a lot, and you were right in the core of that, it right? Came in my college years and coming right out of college, it, it, and it hits in a very different. It way. It made sense, and again, the reason why Dark Fantasy hits for me is it's obviously way post college. I'm an adult. I'm got a house. I'm married. I'm working the whole nine. It goes. It takes me back to. Storytelling, right? One of the first things we talk about when we did our top five, and I was like, Slick Rick's my five, not yeah, because yeah, I yeah. think he's better than anybody else. I'm like, stories. And because I just love stories. And when you start a thing with your interpretation of Roladell Cinderella, like right. that to me is like, what? Yeah, and like, listen. No, no, who, I think the great, here's that? the thing. As a freelancer, there are a lot of songs that hit me a certain way. Also, I will I say can, that I can, under, I can understand it. Cleo by Rhapsody. <laughs> let's let's uh let's we the other thing we talked about cool Rhapsody. before before Rhapsody we, is dope. Yeah, her album's dope. And the man. last song off Bandana, the name is escaping me right now, but it's uh, that. Listen, we ain't got to get into yeah. it. Yeah, you, you like Tyler the Creators, like Collective, like his crew out there, like Sid and some of those people. Uh, like, yeah, I mess with the internet heavy. Okay. I'm, I'm, I like the internet. I'm internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I like Sid her solo stuff. So I do. I do yeah, like. She got, she got like stuff. Yeah, man, she's got good stuff. We did ask them uh, to just get bring out sports before we wrap this up. Uh, we took their take on the NBA season yeah. coming up. You know, this is what Gerard. This does. is a preview of what's, preview. To come. <laughs> what's to come. What's to come later this week. We, That's we, right. We, That's got, right. We, got, we got some good stuff coming up on the uh, on the Seven Foot Podcast right. with the NBA. This NBA season is wild. Yes, um, we're looking forward to having you guys on Easter Conference preview. Oh, we're I going team wait. by I team. We already know that this man's going to go nuts the about the Miami. the Miami. We already know. I'm actually going to give him wait. the floor. Just wax poetically by Miami. I have nothing heat. to say yeah, about Miami. Just leave it to the short. No, exactly. No, but it's justifiable. Like I'm so. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing you got to understand about me. Here's the thing you got to understand about me. Occasionally, I will sensationalize because this is part of what we do. There's a camera right there. There are microphones right here. You gotta turn things up, and we are ready to get. Brian always ready for the turn up. He does. It's, no, it's not. He's always ready to turn up. He's always he just turned stay, up. He just stays turned up. <laughs> he's always turned up. Like, 
that's just a stage turkey. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, don't sell this as you're, you're, you're getting ready to turn up. You're always turned up. Always turned up. I talked to you last night. You were turned up. I was a little turned up, too. That's insane. That's insane. I'm going to be honest. We had, you, a, you, we had a conversation last night. And I was a little you turned up. You, 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 you might have had some... Libations to help you. No, 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 you're, you're just straight like this here, is a straight life. Here's, <laughs> here's my here's my level. Here's my level. Like here's the thing. When when Dexter calls me and we talk on the phone, right? This is how you can know I'm really turned up or not. If I'm just playing Madden or 2K, I might which, not be that turned up. Which let's let's or, just start with or from or from start there. Or if I'm doing some work, I might not be that turned up. Let, let, now, if I have the phone and I'm walking around in circles around the I, table, I, I, I do then yeah, How, then however, yeah, yeah, because I'm using my hands. Let, I'm doing all. Let this. me let everybody know <laughs> that when Brian calls me and Brian's turned up, and I need to know immediately from the jump. Yo, gotta yeah. tell you something. Yo, yo, yo gotta <laughs> tell you something, and I know. That's tell you what. And when he goes, yo, when he's like, oh shit. Yo, when I yo, hear the here we go. Here we go. That's how I know. Let, See, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yo, yo. Right after we're done with, right after we're done with this, I'm gonna take a nap. But then when I wake up, I gotta make a couple calls, and I'm gonna be turned up. I'll tell you that right now. Good for you. <laughs> All right. This is this. We asked the guys about what they think about the NBA. They pretty much said it's pretty wide open too. And we're like, who's the best team in the West? Don't know. Who's the right? Right. Who's the best team in the East? Don't know. Literally, do not know. Never been able to like. I never felt this way about a basketball season in my life, and it's it's kind of a new cool thing. Like we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for the openness of it. I'm excited to see LeBron. I just feel like a lot of our ESPN existence, a lot of the NBA's sort of media verse, is actually LeBron centric. And that guy was simultaneously less relevant but more relevant last year than he's ever been. Now we're going to get him claiming that he is better than ever. And he's going to be in a city that actually has some stakes in terms of rivalry stuff. So, LeBron. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting NBA season. We are not going to get into heavy of that because we will have that coming up as we will be guests on the Seven Footed Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Doing an Eastern Conference preview. So, we are not going to get heavy in that. I'm just going to say I'm excited. I'm yeah. so happy the basketball is close to being back. Gerard, I know you are damn <laughs> well excited. You and Jenna have a lot to talk about. Yeah, man. Pumping out a lot of content. Uh, to preview the season. Um, so you got some what what you got coming up? You got some of these previews. We coming do, up. we do our, our Western Conference preview t- into two parts because again we're going through all thirty teams, fifteen in each conference. So we were uh, with our good buddy, a friend of all of ours, Jonathan Gomez, host of the Hoopland Podcast. Yes, shout out to Hoopland and the Gotham Podcast Studios where we all host our host our shows. Mm-hmm. That that was a good conversation. And look, the West is. I mean, we went through it. We looked at it. And we counted off playoff teams, and we already had seven. We're like, okay, and we didn't count OKC. We didn't count San Antonio. We're, and we're just sitting here I going, finalized who, my eight. Who, who's that eight, right? Who's is it? Sacramento. I mean, there are a lot of teams that are going to be good, and not everyone. There's only eight slots. Someone's not going to make it. How long will New Orleans stay in the picture? How long will Dallas stay in the picture? You saw that picture of Chris Stapps, by the way. He looking swole. He's gonna get busy. I was like, "Good lord!" Like he's gonna get busy. You know, the big knock is always like he's kind of frail. Whatever, don't don't look frail now. I, 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 I played against. I played against the Mavericks in two. Here we go yesterday. with that video game reference. Yo, Luka Doncic pissed me off. He's way too fast in that game. Mm, can't wait to faster than he is in real life. We, we gotta play on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Faster than he is in real life. It pissed me off so much. <laughs> you saw, but you're always angry. So you were. <laughs> <about, laughs> See, there you go. Video games. <laughs> so, I, the, the but play- I have my eight playoff teams off. All in right. front of Western Conference. I will say that. And since we're not going to talk about that. Not here. And that, that, we're not. I'm, I'm going to do it right now. Oh, right you want to go with you? Go. Let's hear it. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, in no particular order. I don't have them in order yet. Okay. But, but the- Lakers Clippers are there. Denver's there. Portland's there. Houston is there. Utah's there. That's the six that I think they're definitely okay, in yep. no matter what. I'm intrigued for these last two. Go. Golden State. Okay. Because I actually think D'Angelo Russell's going to work there. New Orleans. 
Wow. And yeah. you know Spurs, what? I'm, I'm not yeah. actually mad at that. I have the Spurs out. I think New Orleans is just deeper. I just They're gonna be better than people think. A, no, De- like a DeMar DeRozan, Lamarcus Aldridge led team to me probably gets 46 wins and misses the playoffs. And I like DeJounte Murray well, and see, Derek that's, White. That's the key. That's I like DeJounte Murray and key. Derek White. But I still think in the Western Conference, you can get 46, maybe even 48 games and still miss the playoffs. Yeah, you, it's you gonna it's going to be really interesting. And the other teams that were out, like the Kings, I'm not as high on them as some other people are, but some people are further I mean, with them to get you, to the playoffs. Listen, they were they lost so many close games last year, and they yep. were they were the, they were the nine seed last year, right? They were yep. right, right on the cusp. I mean, yeah. what if De'Aaron and those guys make another leap? Like, how, how do you keep them out now? I think I think Drew Holiday might take a leap, which is why I like New Orleans also. Okay, I, so it, I, I think I think Drew I think Hol- nothing. It's is not crazy. even as much Zion as as much as it Holiday. is like it's Drew, it's JJ, it's Reddick, JJ Reddick. Yep. Brandon Ingram might average 20 this year. Lonzo Ball, if he stays healthy, and he's already a good defender, and his jump shot looks better. Derek Favors coming off their bench. Jackson Hayes is actually a rookie that has a lot of promise. Lonzo's jumper does look nice, by the way. It does. Wow, he tightened that up this summer. It looks better. It looks more fluid. We shall see. It's going to be interesting. Be sure be sure to check that out. All right, we got to wrap up. Numbers for this episode. Oh, no, boy. 97, not great. There's, um, there's hockey numbers in there for sure. There's one hockey yeah. number. There's also there's some albums that came out in 97. You know, Camp Low. I like Camp Low a lot. Okay. Oh, uh, Wu-Tang Forever. There's also that. Right. Overrated album. So we got, really? Yes. You think? Oh, well, I don't disagree. It's kind of too long. Did, um... Triumph was there, though, and Triumph was one of my did, favorite did, Wu-Tang uh, songs. Did Life and Times come out in 97? Was that 98? Uh, that is 97, Volume 1, Lifetimes. Okay. Yep, volume yeah, one. we did Reasonable Doubt last one. Oh, 96 so. was Can't there. do years two times in a row. No. I mean, we can. I won't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't allow it. Because he's angry. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of football, though. Bryant Young is there. Le- Le- uh, yeah, Leroy Glover is there. Simeon Rice, who I actually oh, used to really like. Mm. Simeon Rice. Calvin Pace. Oh, one of my favorite Jets. Yeah, Calvin Pace was there. He had 10 sacks as a Jet yeah. one year. How about that? He's good. Yeah. Uh, Gino Atkins. I'm Gino. Yeah, I, I like Gino Atkins. Jeremy Roenick was the lone hockey player. That's, that was really good. That's what I was thinking. Flies. Oh, Chicago Blackhawks before that. Yeah, yeah. Blackhawks before that. Yep. Philadelphia Fly. And I think San Jose at the end. So uh, that's pretty much it. 97. Ooh, <laughs> well, you got, what's your vote? Just to be like the opposite, because we went on this whole like thing to start. I'm going to go Jeremy Roenick. Chicago Blackhawks, 97. <laughs> All right. You know what? Let's give some hockey players some love. Jeremy Roenick. Really? I'm with it. Yeah. I was going to go Simeon Rice or Calvin Pace. Come on, man. We talked about diversity. Inspired. Exactly, man. Diversity, yeah. Roll with JR. Roenick is the opposite. Hold on. Let me see. Is Jeremy Roenick <laughs> he, problematic? He had a um, – it was interesting. <laughs> he had a little back and forth with uh, – we're going a little hockey deep on you guys. Remember Patrick Waugh? Like, oh, no, no, no. He defended Donald Great. Trump. We got, can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Okay, Found well, it right here. All right, well, then we're, we're, <laughs> listen, I, I have no problem. Flipping I, I, I was just, to Simeon Rice. Rice. I was going to go. He, he had a little hockey trash off back and forth with Patrick Waugh back in the day where I think in either a shootout or something, he – he like shook him out of his goalie pads. <laughs> Jeremy like, Roenick fires back at fans who are critical of Kid Rock. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, sorry, guys, that was a bad pick. It, it was that, that was my fault, guys. Bad pick. Bad but come on, man, do your research. He, 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 he shook him out of his thing, and Ross' big thing was like, I can't hear what Jeremy's saying. My two Stanley Cup rings are clogging my ears right now. Ooh, and I, little, nice I was like, oh, that's pretty good. That's, that's that's nice cool. Last question, last question, because I was doing some digging the other day. Uh, is Jerry Rice problematic? He's starting to be. To be, yeah. Doesn't mean that he's not. The greatest wide receiver ever. No, 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 no. He is. He absolutely is. Well, I mean, yeah, no, he's he's good. He also had problematic yes, things. Yes, he for sure. Is he the most talented wide receiver I've ever seen? No, no. That's Randy Moss. But yes, 
Calvin but Johnson also has a more has, talent. Has too. A yeah. He's the greatest. He's the great. But I, you know, I was doing some digging the other day, and I, I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know what? A, a, a lot of your favorite athletes go do a little bit digging into and that. You'll find some and problematic. A lot of your favorite. Lots, a lot of your favorite. Well, I was gonna say, a lot of your favorite anything. Anything yeah. you'll find some problematic. All right, Gerard, thank you for uh, joining us on this episode. We'll do it again very soon. (laughs) Very soon we'll be together, uh, episode 97. Also, huge thank you to uh, Bomani Jones Mm -hmm. and Pablo Torre, the uh, host of High Noon. And Diane Lamb, who runs PR for ESPN. Yes, huge thanks Mm -hmm. to Diane Lamb for for opening a door. Let's give credit where that is. Talk about that. To helping us in opening a door so we can have that. We are going to try to hopefully have some other people within that company to be able to include them in the podcast or do a mobile pod Mm -hmm. or um, something of that nature. So we are going to try to do things like that going forward. But a huge shout out to Diane Lamb and ESPN for making that possible. I think it was a great uh, topic we got to talk about in terms of race and representation. And not with big big networks either. We did that pretty much on our own. Yeah. So So I'm really uh, glad what we were able to accomplish. Really glad at what you were able to write from BET, uh, excuse me, with BET.com. See how I get up on that right now. (laughs) Uh, With BET.com. I think that's great. Um, As usual, guys, please be sure to subscribe to the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Rate, review. Also, be sure to check out the Seven Footers podcast. Recently, they just put up. Uh, check out the latest episodes. Two parts NBA Western Conference preview. That is with Jonathan Gomez. Please be sure to take a listen to that. Also, be able to support our sister podcast, Necessity. They had last episode, they talked a little bit about travel oh. and what you can do in, in that realm, places you can travel. I had some guests on that. Be sure to check them out as well. Uh, that's it for us. Until next time, for Gerard Hector. Four, the short and angry Brian Fonseca. Side Hustle Season 1 out now. Go watch that. You see how angry he said that? And Dexter's in Episode 8. Gerard's in Episode 3. So go yeah, watch yeah, that. Yeah. There you go. And for myself, Dex Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.